0: Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Ready for Retirement, and I'm your host, James Canole. And the topic for today's episode is Roth IRAs, and more specifically, seven things that you need to know about Roth IRAs to use them effectively in your retirement planning. I think a lot of people know what Roth IRAs are, generally speaking, but there's so many unique things to know about Roth IRAs, especially when it comes to planning your retirement, that I thought it'd be best to dedicate an entire episode to understanding what some of those things are. So just a general background, what is a Roth IRA if you don't know? Well, what a Roth IRA is, is it's a retirement account where you can save money and have that money grow tax-free. So with a Roth IRA, an individual retirement account, any money that you contribute to it, you don't get a tax deduction for doing so. But as that money grows, it grows completely tax free. And when you take that money out in retirement, it's also tax free. For example, let's say that for 20 years, you contribute $5,000 to a Roth IRA. So every single year you contribute $5,000. Let's just assume that that money grows at 8% per year. Well, over the course of those 20 years, you would have put in $100,000 of your own money. That was a $5,000 contribution times 20 years. But if you were growing that money, if it was invested and grew at 8% per year, you would have $229,000 by the end of that period. So there's $129,000 of growth on those contributions that that's going to come out and that's completely tax-free. If that was any other type of account, whether a brokerage account or an IRA, either all or portion of that is going to be fully taxable. So the benefit of a Roth IRA is it's a great place to set you up for tax-free income in retirement. Now, for 2020, you can contribute $6,000 if you're under 50 to a Roth IRA, or if you're 50 or older, you can contribute up to $7,000 as the max contribution. So those are the general details. A lot of people know that. They know it's great for tax-free income in the future, and they know what the contribution limits are to some extent. But there's some other planning points that I really want to touch upon that I think are really important to know as you plan your retirement and seeing how does a Roth IRA fit into this big picture. So let's dive into some of those, and these are in no particular order, but let's just start going through those. The first thing to know is contributions to Roth IRAs, they're available for withdrawal at any time. So most people know that in retirement, you can take out your Roth IRA if you've met the minimum qualifications, and the whole thing is tax-free. What people don't know, though, is any money you put into a Roth IRA, whether you've reached 59 and a half, which is considered your retirement age, being able to withdraw these funds or not... You can actually pull out your contributions completely tax-free. So, me, for example, I'm not yet 59 and a half. So if I'm putting money into my Roth IRA, I can actually pull those contributions out at any time without taxes and without penalty. It's the growth and the earnings on that money that I can't touch without penalty or without taxes until I've hit those qualifications. So that's a nice thing to know because as you're putting money away to retirement accounts, the trade-off you're giving is you're losing some of the flexibility and you're losing access to those funds and you could only access them without or with paying penalties. With the Roth contribution, that's not fully true. You always have the ability, no matter how old you are, no matter when you put them in, to take contributions out at any time without any taxes or penalties. So that's number one. That's important to know because that does provide some extra flexibility with Roth IRAs, where if you want to retire before 59 and a half, or you have a need for those funds before that time, you can probably do so if you do some good planning up front. Number two. The second thing to know about Roth IRAs that people don't typically know is there's something called the five-year rule. So we all know that this creates tax-free income in retirement if you're pulling money out of a Roth IRA, but there's still certain requirements that you have to hit. And the five-year rule says that you have to have your Roth IRA opened and funded for at least five years before you can take money out and have it be fully tax-free. Here's why that matters. Let's assume that you're 60 and you don't fund a Roth IRA until you're 60 years old. Well, you put those funds in and you're over 59 and a half. So you might be thinking, well, I can just pull this money out at any time. Well, not necessarily. Yes, you can pull out your contribution. Like we just mentioned, there's no limit to doing that. But in order to be able to access the growth on those funds, any earnings above what you put in, you have to have the account opened and funded for at least five years to be able to do so. So that's why it's important where if you're listening to this and you don't have a Roth IRA because you're prioritizing other accounts. It might make sense just to start one, even if it's with something as little as $100 just to get the clock ticking, because as soon as you open and fund that account, the clock is ticking on that five-year rule. So hopefully by the time that you need those funds, you fully met that requirement and you don't have to worry about that going forward. The second part of this is that's for Roth contributions. It's not like every single contribution needs to meet a new five-year rule, but it's only your first contribution. And once that's met, it's met for all of your ongoing contributions. What it's not meant for, though, is Roth conversions. So if you're doing a Roth conversion, is either part of a tax plan strategy or in order to do backdoor Roth conversions. Any conversion you make, any Roth conversion that you make, each of those has a separate five-year rule in a five-year window that needs to be maintained. So that's what needs to be tracked, is if you make a conversion, even if you've met the five-year rule with your Roth IRA as a whole, because let's say you opened it 10 years ago or 15 years ago or whatever it was, each conversion is going to have its own five-year window as well, and then finally, these five-year rules they also apply to your beneficiaries. So, if you open a Roth IRA for the first time, and let's say you you pass away three years later, well, your beneficiary that inherits that account, that five-year rule still applies to them. So, they would need to wait an additional two years before they could fully access those funds, even though it's something that they inherited. So, keep that in mind—the five-year rule. It's something that could possibly prevent a few things but with some good planning ahead of time, you can make sure that that five-year rule isn't inhibiting anything that you're trying to do. So that's number two. Number three is is backdoor Roth conversions. Many people have heard of this, but they don't fully know what it means. Why it's even a concept is there's income limits for how much you can earn and still put money into a Roth IRA. Meaning if you're married and you earn over $206,000 per year, you can't put money directly into a Roth IRA. In fact, what the rule states is that if you make less than $196,000 per year, and you're married and you're filing jointly, you can make a full Roth contribution. If you make between $196,000 and $206,000 as a married couple filing jointly, you can make a partial Roth conversion. It starts to uh, tail off. It starts to get restricted the older you get the once or the more income you have. And then once you're over $206,000 in income, you're restricted from doing Roth contributions. Now, if you're single and filing taxes single, then the range is 124,000 to 139,000. So if you make less than 124,000, you can do a full contribution. If you make over 139, then you can't. And between 124 and 139, you can do partial contributions. One thing to note with this real quick is this is your modified adjusted gross income. So, for example, if you're married and your combined income is say $220,000. Well, that's above 206,000. So you'd think, okay, I can't do a Roth contribution. Well, if between you and a spouse, you're contributing, say, $30,000 to 401ks, maybe $15,000 to each of your company's 401ks, then your modified adjusted gross income is actually $190,000 in that case, Two twenty dollars minus the thirty dollars that you're contributing to 401ks. So why that's important is all of a sudden your $220,000 of income now drops to $190,000 of income and that makes you eligible for Roth IRA contributions. So this is where planning is really not just focused on one thing at all. Sometimes it's multiple things and sometimes increasing your 401k contributions or other retirement contributions actually opens up the ability for you to make Roth IRA contributions. That being said, there will be times that you just make too much money. You don't qualify for a Roth IRA. Even if you're putting money in your 401k and doing other things, your income is just too high. Well, this is where a backdoor Roth conversion comes into play. And I won't go into all the details on today's episode because it can get a little bit lengthy. Maybe I'll dedicate a future episode just to that. But what a backdoor Roth contribution or backdoor Roth conversion means is what you do is instead of putting money directly into a Roth IRA, you put money into a traditional IRA. And now there's no income limits for putting money into a traditional IRA. The limit is on your ability to deduct that contribution. So for example, if my income was $500,000, I make too much money to put money into a Roth IRA. What I could do is I could put money into a traditional IRA. There's no limits on that. What I am limited on doing is I cannot deduct that contribution. I can't take a tax deduction for that because my income's too high. So what I do is I put money into a traditional IRA. I don't deduct it, but because that's not a pre-tax contribution, because it wasn't deductible, I can then convert that IRA into my Roth IRA. So it's essentially contributing money to an IRA, not taking a tax deduction on it, and then converting that IRA into a Roth IRA. And because it's going from technically an after-tax account to another after-tax account, there's no taxes due on the conversion. So it's a way of doing in two steps what you can ordinarily do in one if your income is too high. A couple things to keep in mind if you do this is number one, if you make a non-deductible IRA contribution, you need to be sure to file what's called Form 8606. This tells the IRS that you did make an IRA contribution, but there was no deduction taken for that. So it allows you to be able to track that if you were ever to be audited. Number two, if you have any existing IRAs other than this, which could be IRAs, SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, anything like that, it prevents you from being able to do this. The IRS has what's called an aggregation rule when this happens in say you were to contribute or convert the non-deductible IRA contribution that you just made, but you have other IRAs elsewhere the IRS is essentially going to take a pro rata amount of the conversion and tie in some of your pre-tax IRAs and some of your non-deductible IRA contribution. And it's kind of going to ruin the whole thing. So I'm not going to go into that in detail today, but just know that if you do have other IRAs, one thing that you can do is try to consolidate those into a 401k or another qualified retirement plan like that. But if not, then doing the backdoor Roth conversion probably isn't a great thing to do because it won't really be non-taxable. So before you do this, talk to a tax planner, talk to your financial planner. There are some details you want to make sure that you get right if you're going to do it, but did want to bring that up that many people think they can't contribute to a Roth IRA because their income's too high. But many of those people actually can And it's just through a backdoor Roth contribution and potentially even a mega backdoor Roth conversion through their 401k plan, if it allows for after-tax contributions. So that's number three. Number four, another really important thing to know about Roth IRAs for planning purposes is Roth IRAs are not subject to required minimum distributions, so RMDs. You, you've maybe heard of RMDs, and what happens is when you turn 72, you used to be age 70 and a half, but it's since switched to 72, you're going to be required to start taking money from any IRAs or 401ks or other pre-tax accounts that you have. The IRS says those were accounts that you got a tax deduction on as you made those contributions over the course of your working career. They were tax-deferred as they grew, but the only way that the IRS gets to collect tax dollars on those is when you pull money out of your IRA or when you pull money out of your 401k. So at age 72, they're gonna require you to start pulling money out of those accounts. Now, the way that it works out is there's kind of a life expectancy table that allows you to calculate how much you have to pull out. But your first year of your RMDs, when you turn 72, the amount that you're required to take out is I think about 3.7%, something in that range. So if you have a million dollars in your IRA, you're gonna be required to take out about $37,000 that first year then that number continues to grow each and every year. And by your mid to late 80s, it's increased up to the seven to 8% per year range. So if you have a million dollars in your IRA still at that point, well, you're not taking 37,000 out per year. Now you're taking closer to 70 to 80,000 out per year. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing if that's the money that you need to live on and you would have taken it out anyways, but it can be a challenging thing because that in many cases can push you into a tax bracket that you don't want to be in. Because when you're looking at your taxes at that point, chances are good you have two social security benefits if you're married at that point. Maybe you have a pension. Maybe you have other income sources. Maybe you have dividends and interest from investment accounts. And if on top of all that, you're being forced to take out 60, 70, $80,000 from your IRA, that can very quickly add up. And that can push you into a tax bracket that you don't necessarily want to be in, especially knowing that we don't really know where tax brackets are going to be in the future. Maybe when you're at that point in your retirement years. So that's why a Roth IRA is so valuable. With Roth IRAs, there are no required minimum distributions. The IRS is already, they're not going to get tax dollars for any money you take out of there. So there's really no reason they're going to require you to pull money out. So that could potentially save you a whole bunch of money, not just in taxes in general, but it could prevent you from having to take more out of your portfolio than you really want to because there's no required minimum distributions on Roth IRAs. One thing to note with that is if you inherit a Roth IRA, or if your heirs, if it's a non-spouse beneficiary, ultimately inherit your Roth IRA, there are required minimum distributions on that. Those RMDs are not taxable, but just know that if your heirs inherit your Roth IRA, they will be subject to RMDs as they would with traditional IRAs. But for your retirement, it can be a really great tool to help plan to keep taxes down. All right, number five, the fifth thing that you really need to know about Roth IRAs to use them effectively in your retirement planning is this. Roth IRAs are not included in your provisional income. So if you've never heard of provisional income, most people haven't. What it is, is it's how the IRS calculates how much of your social security is taxable. So if you want to understand how much of your social security benefit is going to be taxable, there's there's really three steps to do so. Number one, start with your gross income. So this is just the total amount of money excluding social security. So things like IRA distributions, income from work, dividends, capital gains, things like that. Next Add in any tax free income that you received. So, if you have municipal bonds, either a bond fund or individual municipal bonds, even though that income is not taxable on your tax return, it is included in your provisional income. So, add that to your gross income. And then, finally, number three, calculate 50% of your Social Security benefit and add that amount to your previous total. So, your gross income excluding Social Security plus any tax free interest on municipal bonds plus 50% 50% of your social security benefit. If you take that number and you're married in retirement, and if that number is less than $32,000, well, social security is not taxable at all. There's 0% tax on any of your social security. If you take that number, your provisional income, and it's between 32000 and 44000 then 50% of your social security benefit is taxable. It's not saying it's taxed at a 50% rate. It's saying that 50% of it or half of it is included in your taxable income. And if your provisional income is above $44,000 per year, then 85% or up to 85% of your benefit is going to be included in your taxable income. If you're single, those numbers are 25000 and below, you won't have any taxes on your social security benefit. If it's between 25000 and 34000 then 50% of your benefit is included in your taxable income. And if it's above $34,000, then up to 85% of your benefit will be included in your taxable income. So that's kind of a little confusing. Maybe let's look at an example. Let's say that you're married and you and your spouse both have a social security benefit of $2,500 per month. So that's $5,000 per month total. And let's assume that on top of that, you've done a good job of saving your Roth IRA and you're taking another $4,000 per month from your Roth IRAs. So in total, you have $9,000 per month in income and it's all completely tax-free. Well, why is it tax-free? Well, let's look at our provisional income example. What we do with provisional income is we start by saying, what's your gross income? Taking out social security. Well, your only other income in this example, besides social security is Roth IRAs and Roth IRAs, as we've already discussed, are completely tax free. So take that out. There's no taxes there. Okay. Step one, we're at zero. Step two, add any tax free interest from municipal bonds. Well, we don't have any of that in this example. So we're still at zero. Step three, calculate 50% of your social security benefit and add that amount to the previous total. Well, if my total social security benefit, or if your total social security benefit is $60,000 per year, so 5,000 per month, well, half of that is $30,000. So if we add all those numbers up, zero plus zero plus 30,000, our provisional income in this example is $30,000. So let's go to the table. Well, we saw that if your provisional income, if you're married, finally and jointly, is less than $32,000, then none of your social security is included in your taxable income. Well, in this case, 30000 is less than 32000 so none of it's included, which means that if your income is all from Social Security and Roth IRAs in this example, you have $9,000 per month coming in and it is completely tax-free. Not only did Roth IRAs save you income taxes on the Roth IRA distributions, they also saved you income taxes on Social Security. Now, let's look at another example. Let's assume that instead that $4,000 per month was coming from traditional IRAs or 401k, same tax treatment. Well, in this case, if we want to add up your provisional income, number one, we just start with your gross income. So four thousand a month from IRAs—that's forty-eight thousand dollars per year. Number two, there's still no municipal bond interest, so that's zero. And then number three, half of your Social Security benefit is still thirty thousand. So forty-eight plus thirty is seventy-eight thousand dollars. So seventy-eight thousand dollars is above forty-four thousand, which is the limit on provisional income. Anything above that is taxed up to eighty-five percent. What that means is 85% of your social security benefit in this case will be included in your taxable income. And not only that, but of course, the distributions from your IRAs of so $4,000 per month or $48,000 per year, those are also included in your taxable income. So as you can see, same amount of gross income in both examples, but in one case, you're paying absolutely $0 in taxes. and In the other case, you are paying money in taxes and depending on your tax bracket and what state you're in, it could potentially be a lot more. So this is one of the additional benefits of Roth IRAs, like I just said, is it's not just about the income from the Roth IRA. It's about how the income from the Roth IRA ties into other income sources and what it means for your overall tax bracket. And in this specific example, it saved you quite a bit. Now, in reality, you're not usually just taking money from Roth IRAs and Social Security. I have some clients that they do have a completely tax-free retirement because we did a good job and they did a really good job of saving to Roth IRAs and we did Roth conversions all along the way and they have a tax for retirement. They don't need to worry about what tax brackets are going to do in the future. For most people though, in reality, you're pulling some money from IRAs, some from Roth IRAs, some from brokerage accounts, some from social security. So it's about managing the big picture. And how do you keep your provisional income low while also managing the rest of your assets and income to reduce your overall tax bracket, not just income taxes, but also incorporating things like provisional income and social security income. So that's number five, the fifth thing you need to know. The sixth thing that you need to know Is that Roth IRA distributions can actually help you keep your Medicare premiums low? So there's something called Medicare IRMA, which is Income Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. That stands for IRMAA, and what that means is when you're looking at Medicare, there's different parts to Medicare. And your Medicare Part B premium for 2020 it starts at $144.60 per month. So what that means is $144.60 per month. If you're collecting Social Security, it just comes right from that typically. That's just taken out and that goes to cover Medicare Part B premium. But as your income goes up, that premium goes up as well. And if you're married, finally and jointly, if your income is over $174,000 per year, your Part B premium goes up. If you're single and your income is over $87,000 per year, your Part B premium goes up. It can go up to $57 or it can increase by $57.80 all the way up to $347 per month, depending upon what your income is. So again, this is where Roth IRAs can be very valuable because not only is your Roth IRA contribution not taxable, but by keeping your overall income low, it can help to keep your premiums low on Medicare. So your Part B premium, your Part D premium, the higher your income is, not only are you paying more in taxes on that income, but you're also paying higher premium amounts on your monthly Medicare premium payment. So There's a lot of details with this, and there's a lot of different numbers here that I won't get into, but just know that with Roth contributions or Roth withdrawals, I should say, because that money is not taxable and because it's not including your gross income, it can help you to keep your IRMA surcharges as low as possible. So the way IRMA is calculated, also last detail on this, is there's a two-year look back. So for 2020, the amount that you're paying in Medicare Part B and Part D, your IRMA surcharges or lack of surcharges, it's going to be based upon income from two years ago, from 2018. So this is where planning comes into play. If what you do in this year with where you're pulling income from or what type of income you're receiving, it's not only going to impact income taxes for this year, but also two years from today when you look at Medicare premiums. So the more you have in Roth accounts, the easier it is to plan to keep your Medicare premiums as low as possible. And then finally, number seven, one thing that it's, it's kind of a, a basic one, but it's important. Spousal IRAs or Roth IRAs are also available as long as one spouse has earned income. So as you're looking at Roth IRAs, I talked about the fact that if you're 50 or older, you can put up to 7000 per year into a Roth IRA. Well, if just one spouse is working, it doesn't mean that you can only put $7,000 in. If you have one spouse working and one spouse not working, you can contribute to both spouses' Roth IRAs. So you can contribute up to $14,000 per year if the working spouse has at least $14,000 of earned income. So just a basic thing, but something I do want to include because it sometimes gets overlooked. And if you want to plan effectively, you make sure that you want to make sure that you're not overlooking anything. So that's all I have for today. Those are the seven things I want to make sure that everyone knows about Roth IRAs so they can use them most effectively in their retirement planning. So thank you so much for listening. If you have not done so already, please subscribe. A new episodes released every single week, and I want to make sure that you don't miss it as it comes out and I will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to episode number 23 of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, then please let me know and leave a five-star review. And if you have not already done so, please subscribe. wanna make sure that you don't miss an episode. If you wanna see the show notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, please head over to the Ready for Retirement website, which you can find at readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you'd like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can do that. Go to the readyforretirement.co website, and there's a page there where you can submit a question that I will answer in a future episode. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice, it is for informational purposes only.